Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on Catch and Shoot 2.0, we reach the second week of the NBA playoffs with exciting games and great storylines all around. One of those storylines is Luka Doncic and the Mavs giving the Clippers all they can handle. We'll check in on Dallas with someone who covers them from time to time. But first, Darlene, let's get to it. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. <laughs> His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Welcome to Catch and Shoot 2.0. I am Aaron Berlin, along with my partner. He is the one and only. His name is Otto Strong. Otto, what's going on, my man? Oh, my God. The playoffs, we, we are in the thick of the playoffs. I mean, everything <laughs> from, like, you know, arenas to 17,000 people, 18,000 people, whatever the number is. Crazy fans, we have some and crazy got, fans, good and crazy fans, bad. We've got bottles being thrown, like yeah, we got, we got, we got. We're gonna have to get into that, and then we, and then we got, you know, we have actual series. We got stuff knotted up at two. We got, you know, teams that are, you know, we got a couple of three one situations. We already had a sweep. The Bruins are already out for yeah. last year's final. We got everything going on. <laughs> so, so let's talk about that. The Bucks run roughshod over the Miami Heat. And I think that was one of the more surprising series because I, I think after what we saw in the bubble last year from Miami and kind of how they stormed through the Eastern Conference and really gave the Lakers everything that they could handle into the finals. Were you surprised at the way Milwaukee was just able to kind of put them to bed early? I, I mean, really, this whole series was a no contest. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, obviously the, the same the same crew uh, d- didn't show up. I don't know if Jimmy Butler was was uh, you know changed the, the coffee blend a little bit and it wasn't didn't quite have the right amount of caffeine or what was going on. I don't you know I don't know, but but uh, but it was probably had something to do with more that that Giannis guy and and the, yeah. and, the, and, the, and, the, and the folks around him saying like no, this is not happening again because I mean you know that if it did, oh my god. The, the, you know, bags would already be packed and, and he'd be, there you was, know, people would have. Uh, I was just going to say, there was a great meme floating around the internet for really the first three games of that series. And it was like Tyler Hero in the bubble. And it's yeah. that, it's that face, you know, yeah. that he made where he was just like snarling and angry. Yeah. And then it's like Tyler Hero in the regular playoffs. And it's just like him and his AAU uniform. And he just looks, has this blank stare on his face. And it's like, that's the perfect encapsulation of what this was for the Heat in this series. But I I think this was good for Milwaukee because we have not talked about Milwaukee at all this year. I I mean, I think we spent maybe one or two shows where we focused heavily on what the Bucks could do in the playoffs. Does this feel like they've reestablished themselves as a real contender now with the Sixers and the Nets? 
Uh, it, it definitely does feel like, you know, you, you could put them into that conversation. I mean, you know, where, where it goes next and yeah. I mean, and, and how they, how they progress through the, you know, through the, the meat of the, of the conference. I mean, that, that, that is, that will be the test. I, I'm still not necessarily penciling them in for the, uh, for the, you know, Eastern conference representative. I mean, do, do you feel like, do you feel like they've taken a step and, and have a legitimate, you know, dibs on, on that crown? No, I, but I feel like they've gotten some of their swiper back. And I, I think mm-hmm. for a lot of this season, they've been missing that. You know, like like two years or really last year, prior to the shutdown of the bubble, all we talked about was how good Milwaukee was and how good Giannis was and how we weren't even sure at that point if there was like a contending team in the Eastern Conference for them. Now it legitimately feels like they're making their way back, but now they have real obstacles to climb. Like if we get that it'd be the second round series between them and the Nets, right? Like, I do think there is a scenario where they could beat a Nets team in seven games. I mean, the Nets have looked really good against the Celtics in some way, shape, or form, but defensively they've really struggled. Um, And that's been their biggest, worrisome moment for them is that, you know, if they play Milwaukee in a seven-game series, I, I, I think Milwaukee has a really good chance. I'm not putting my money on them. But at least now I feel like we can talk about them a little bit more than what we had been doing. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing that's really cool, and maybe this is maybe a, a little too abstract perhaps, but the fact that there's a meaningful Eastern Conference series that's not the Eastern Conference Finals, and like you actually care about, like you, like you, if they're going to be, they're going to be balling in that, in, that, in that series. I mean, it's going to be crazy. Um, and, you know, and it's going to be, it's going to be heartache and a lot of soul searching for, for one of those two, one of those two teams. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you want to talk about the West a little bit and some of the series that are going on? Sure, sure, sure. I mean, it, we, it, it'd be a shame if we didn't discuss what happened in that game four with the Suns and the Lakers. And this feels, you know, LeBron had the great comment of, you know, these shoulders are strong, like they, they can hold as much weight as they need to. Those shoulders are going to need to hold a lot of the weight in game five if they're going to go into Phoenix and take that game. Uh, I was impressed with the way Chris Paul played in game four and kind of his determination to get back on the court. I mean, we're going to talk about this with TJ Macias coming up a little bit about like some of the parallels between the injury with Luca. Yep. That's, that's a perfect situation right there is, you know, Chris Paul uh, was not himself in game three, you know, came back game four, looked good. You know, um, that's, that's a situation where I thought they, they handled the player well in that point, you know, like Chris Paul was saying that he hadn't touched the basketball in two days. That's what you have to do this time of year. It's, it's, it's a point to step up, but also you got to take care of the player too. No, you definitely do. I mean, there are some things though that not, not to, not to go up against you on this, but you know, injuries are not all the same. Um, You know, how players handle pain, not all the same. The the teams, um, you know, you could take Chris Paul out of, out of the, the Phoenix lineup and, you know, you still have a, a pretty solid team. I mean, will they be this? Would they be the second seed? I, I, that I can't say. But you take Luca out of Dallas, you don't have you don't have a five seed. You don't have a playoff team. I mean, it's just the way they just based on the way they're constructed. So, I mean, uh, but yeah. So to, to your point, Phoenix is making all the right you know right moves with with the guy and is you know somebody who's you know so you're dealing with a, a well seasoned, well worn veteran versus. You know, a yeah. guy who's who was, you know, three years in the league still on the runs. If uh if, if the Lakers don't get AD back, can they win this series? 
Well, like, like you said, I mean, you know, LeBron's going to have to have, you know, shoulders like, uh, you know, like, you know, like Mr. Atlas or something. He's going to have that, like, <laughs> like seriously going to have that. He's going to have to have Hulk Hogan show, shoulders. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and they're also going to have to have, um, you know, other guys just, just, you know, step up in a big way. Or, I mean, to, you know, they just, they just can't, it just can't be the, you know, the LeBron show. Uh, I mean, not, not, not for uh, a Phoenix team, you know, in Phoenix, certainly. So, I'm like I'm I'm curious to see you know you know he talks about these levels and they you know he, like this different versions of LeBron I'm kind of curious which version shows up and how much he, how much he can how much he can you know throw at him. It's it's just so interesting because you you know last week we were, we were talking to uh, Jovan about the Lakers and how everything revolved around that small lineup especially with AD at the five and they looked lost in that second half without him and how they were trying to find some of their offensive sets and what they were going to run. Is, is that a problem maybe when your entire offense is too reliant on one style of play? I, I mean, not, not to draw more par- parallels between the Mavs and the Clippers series, but, you know, this Clippers team went small and it's given the Mavs a lot of problems. And, you know, part of the conversation is like, how do you make that adaptation and how do you make your offense as agile as possible to where like, if you do have someone go down, you're not completely reliant. Now, Anthony Davis is an entirely different player because he's a top five player in the league when healthy, right? Like mm-hmm. that's tough for anyone to replace. But the Lakers seemed almost lost that entire second half when they were trying to search for some form of offense. And it just seemed like without them being able to run that, that small ball lineup against the Suns, I don't know how they win this series. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like, you know, there a lot of their, um, a lot of their go-tos in the past are just, you know, there's just nothing in the well there. Um, uh, just the, the the parts that I saw, they just didn't feel like they were you know really really clicking. And you know, I, I don't know if it's more Phoenix just having their way. You know, it's, it's not you know the Phoenix Suns. Uh, you know, the twenty one Phoenix Suns are not the, the you know twenty twenty uh, uh, Miami Heat. I mean, it, it just so I'm not exactly sure where where the uh, the Lakers go to 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 kind of get that mojo back. But they they definitely need to find it quickly. Um, you know, with respect to the Mavericks, like, hell. So, you know, if, if they shot 65% or whatever they shot in the first two games, um, you know, in game four, then, then actually, you know, it, it would have been, you know, right down to the wire. And, of course, Luka wouldn't hurt. So, you know, I mean, the, the incredible offensive display um, that they had in games one and two masked a lot of the, of the stuff that, you know, a lot of their flaws, which just, you know, just, just look at, see just how how poorly you know when, when they when they don't shoot well it looks like they it looks like they played really bad defense but they're just not a good defensive team you know anyway so yeah that that's the that, that that's the, that's the thing i mean um to swing it to another series uh any any thoughts on on uh your your guy ja and uh and uh you know what 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 memphis is well actually more of what ja has been able to do just as his, you know, his coming out party against Utah. Well, he had 47 points the other night or, or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I watched a little bit of the game uh, the other night against Utah. I, I saw the first half because – so, full disclosure, we're, I'm doing this show for my childhood home in Kansas City. So, mm-hmm. I, I did an 18-hour drive from Florida to Kansas City, and we stopped over and we walked over to a Buffalo Wild Wings. They had the Utah Jazz game and the Memphis Grizzly game on. And there is just such – a different swagger with that Memphis team right now 
than I think there has been in the last few years. And it all stems from their point guard, from the guy who makes that team run. And, you know, I just, I, I say this a lot of times, and it's one of the reasons I love Dame Lillard so much is I think Dame consistently plays with a chip on his shoulder and he mm. just has a like, I know I'm better than you. I'm going to beat you off the bounce mentality. And then he can also hit you with the three at any time too. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities between the personalities of John Morant and Dame Lillard and how they play and how that's kind of seeped into this Grizzlies team. Look, Grizzlies are, they're down what, 2-1 now, I I think Mm -hmm. off the top of my head. So they're in a little bit of a hole. Do I think that they can bounce back? I don't know, man. Jazz were really good this year. Yeah, but no, but to, to build off your point, like what he's brought to that team in that city, it's, it's special. And I'm really excited to see how that team grows over the next few years. Yeah. I mean, to, to, your, to your point, I mean, uh, the game that they did win, uh, Utah didn't have Donovan Mitchell. So like, you know, like yeah. there, there is that, I'm not going to, you know, but, the, but I do like the fact that, you know, these, these one eights and two sevens just don't feel like a rubber stamp yeah. and onto, onto the next. No, like it, it's, it's the oddest thing. Like this year we've had really good series on both sides of the bracket, right? Like usually those, one eight or those two seven series are kind of like gentlemen sweeps. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like we, we talked about this last week, like you might take game one, but then all of a sudden it's like a light bulb turns on for the other team and they just run rough shot over you the rest of the way. This doesn't feel that way. And I, I think we're, we're starting to get a little bit more parity with the depths of some of these teams and maybe, well, I, I think part of the reason, um, the one, the two seven series in the West is so good is because you had the defending champs going against a good Suns team and a defending champs team, champs team that has been injured for most of the year. So that's part of the reason that series is so good. But there's a lot of intrigue with this Jazz and Grizzlies series just because the Jazz have been a really good team for the last few years and they've built that team the right way. And Quinn Snyder's been a really good coach for them. But now we're starting to kind of like see the ascension of the Grizzlies, which is fun as well. So. Well, I mean, you, you can't have a conversation about swagger or even throw the word out without mentioning the one guy who's really lighting it up. I mean, Trey Young. I mean, God. damn, damn. I mean, I, you know, it, what, what he, what he, the clinic that he put on, he's just making the Knicks look stupid. I mean, and I, I like, I want, I, I'd love to see the Knicks advance, but I think it's going to be great for the league. I mean, I, I think it's inevitable that, that Atlanta wins one of the next three. I, yeah. to, to have him be one of those guys, you know, the next face of the league is so important. Uh, and I, like, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for, for Atlanta. And I'm, you know, you know, Knicks will, I'm, I'm, it's a victory that they made it this far as far as I'm concerned. That, 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 that pains you to say, doesn't it? You, you really <laughs> wanted the Knicks to win this series. I, I did. I did. But like, you know, they, they, they've had a great season and uh, I just don't see them winning, taking three straight. Not, not the way the Hawks are playing right now. Also, it's so fun to have Luca and Trey in the playoffs. Oh, exactly. Like, exactly. like, like, exactly. like that, that narrative hasn't been touched on enough. You know, those two guys are always going to be tied together because of the draft uh-huh. day trade that was made mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. But to see both of them in the playoffs doing their thing, um, we, I'd like to see a healthy Luca. I hate that he's injured right now because I thought this match team really had a chance. Um, him not being able to turn his head left or have his head on a swivel is a big problem for him because that's, that's a lot of how he plays is with his peripherals. But Man, it's good to have them both. But you want to talk a little bit more, Mavs? Let's do it. Let's do it. Joining us to give us our thoughts on the Mavericks and the Clippers and all things going on in this series is TJ Macias of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, my colleague. TJ, how are you doing? 
I'm tired. I think yes. I'm running on fumes. Yes. Just, I, my eyes, so if I like glaze over, you know why. I haven't been to sleep in like three weeks. So, so this is, or we've played four games. The home team has yet to win a game. It feels like we've played seven games. Does it not? Like, does it feel like we've had multiple series in, within, the, within the four games already? Yes. It, it feels like the last Mavericks win was like two months ago. It, it, it just, it, it's, I don't know what it is. Like if time stops during these games and they last forever. But yeah, it, it, it feels like we've had way more than just four at this point. We're going to get into the basketball in a second, but I did want to uh, say one thing. So you were in the building for games three and four. And, yeah. you know, given the pandemic and everything, just want to get your quick thoughts on, on kind of that, uh, the environment, before we shift over to the ball. Well, so it's been, it was about a year since, you know, fans had come back into the stadium, at least since I've been there. And it's, it's been years uh, since it was 2016 when the last playoffs were at, you know, outside of the bubble. And fans were just beside themselves. From what I understand, it sounded like they were muted on um, TV. Like a lot of the fan reaction was muted. I'm not sure. Um, but inside, it was like bone-rattling noise you couldn't even hear yourself think um right from the get-go when they like when the clippers came on from the warm-ups the booing was intense and then when the mavericks came on it was like five earthquakes put into one and when the starting lineup was read off and you hear luca's name just the crowd was insanely electric and you know they kept it up throughout game three you know, even when it got dismal at the end and they lost, like fans weren't leaving anything like that. Um, but with game four, <laughs> obviously they completely crushed them and dismantled them. And, you know, fans were at least tired at that point and, you know, were kind of leaving a little bit early. But other than that, it was insane. And it was like, it was incredible to witness all these people in there. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a nice experience just to watch some of the playoff games and to see fans back in it. Um, this Mavericks team really, you know, they jumped out to the 2-0 lead. Now it's back to 2-2. Things are even. And it really kind of seemed like the shift in this series has been with the way that the Clippers have gone small. And that yep. seems to be a problem for the Mavs. Can you just elaborate on some of the issues that Dallas is having with that small ball lineup that the Clippers are utilizing? Well, Carlo keeps throwing in, like, the front court is big. He, like, last game it was uh, KP and Bobin that he threw in there right in the beginning. And it's clear that it's not working. And it, it, Carlisle is not adjusting uh, to the small ball game at this point when he needs to. And clearly that needs to uh, become a factor going into the next game. Especially, he needs to switch it up. Like, it's clearly not working. The bigs aren't, it, the, the ball isn't falling, the, falling. The defense is horrible. And they're getting killed in the paint. It's just, it's ridiculous. Something has to change. And everything right now at this point is being, everything depends on Luca. And with his injury at this point, it's really dismal. 
So what is the, you know, you were there post-game. What, what is the status of the injury? What, how did he look? You Because know, he was obviously wincing on the floor, uh, yeah. but, but off the floor, is it any different? Is it any more severe, do you think? No, he, well, when you see him sit on the sidelines, like he's mainly pissed off. Like he was, there was at one point a video went around on Twitter that like he was hitting his head. He was angry. Um, afterwards, Carlisle said that he couldn't, during the presser, that it was hard for him to look left and his whole left side, even for him to turn his head, which is his whole thing on the court. He needs to see the entire court. That's just how it works. So now the fact that he can't turn left, I mean, if it was NASCAR, you know, he'd be fucked. <laughs> good, good, good point. You got to be, got to be able to make those lefts. So, um, so the obvious question is, you know, where do they go for offense? Because, um, you know, you know, everyone thought, you know, KP, you know, this is your time to shine. <laughs> and uh, hello, Mr. Porzingis. I mean, he did it. He did you know, a better job yesterday. Mm -hmm. I think it was, it was yeah. what, 19? Did he get 19 points? Busted or, out of no, single 18, digits. It was 18 points. Busted out of single digits, yes. yes. Let's, let's throw a parade, and, yes. Like, he was the first, he was the first one on the board. Um, but it's, it, the, th that's not going to cut it. I'm not actually sure, it, like, if there's any future, if Luca is out or continues to do this, because without him, like, they're, like, belly up in the water. And I, the Clippers know that. <laughs> Ty Lue knows that. And that's, they're, they keep pestering him during the game. Like, that's, like, a whole thing with Rondo. You could see him completely pestering Luca um, on both ends. And it was working. So you uh, you wrote a story uh, story you wrote for, uh, for the for the Star Telegram uh, about Rondo and his and his kind of relationship with uh, with the with the Mavericks fans and so for for folks who may not um, know as much about that, that that history if you want to just kind of give a give a quick synopsis of what of what we're, what you're saying there so uh, like Dallas was beside themselves in. It was a 2014-15 season when they traded, like they, they had a hole at the point card position. It was, you know, their Achilles heel at the time. They traded uh, Jameer Nelson, Brandon Wright, and Jay Crowder for uh, Rondo and Dwight Powell. And I remember that was my first year covering the Mavericks. It was my first full season. And the atmosphere when Rondo came in shifted. The fan base was incredibly excited about it, but in the locker room, it was not as joyful, we'll put it, mm -hmm. when he came in. And, you know, immediately it just seemed like he didn't want to be there. And fans know him, uh, you know, best from him in the, in the playoffs that year in 2015 for just kind of crapping out, not listening to Carlisle. Um, Carlisle benching him early on, saying it was a back issue, but everyone knew it was done. He just simply gave up on it. And so he became public enemy number one after that season, because like fans needed to direct their anger somewhere. And it had, it was like pre DeAndre Jordan bullshit. And so Rondo became public enemy number one. And they never forget it every time he's in the arena. 
um, with whatever team he's with. And yeah. every time he touches the ball, the crowd just goes insane. They, they are pissed. And, and apparently the, uh, he, Rondo, doesn't forget it either because uh, he was apparently shouting out, shouting out their plays. Yep. Uh, but he's, like, he's notorious for calling out plays. Uh, some of the articles that were written about him, his IQ is insanely mm -hmm. high. Mm -hmm. And what kills me is that it's, it's almost like he's a thorn still in Carlisle's shoe um, from knowing the plays, exactly what is going to go down before it goes down. And he's, you could see him yelling it at his teammates on the court and trying to direct them in the positions that they're going in. And it's, it's hilarious because Rick Carlisle, it annoys him, you could tell, but he respects the hell out of Rondo and his ability to do that. It's, it it kind of reminds me of, if I want to compare Rondo to someone like Gus Fring from Breaking Bad, like you didn't want him to succeed or win, but he was so fascinating to watch whenever he was on the screen. And it kind of reminds me of Rondo in Dallas at that point. Is, is that an issue where Carlisle needs to adjust? Like if you have a former player who's intellect, especially on the basketball court, is that good? And his remembrance for the sets and the plays that you run is in that way that he can direct his team and know exactly what's coming. Shouldn't Carlisle be making adjustments there? Well, yeah, I've, this is the first time I've actually really witnessed that happen to this extreme nature is like basically with Rondo I other players have come in and but I don't like a lot of other people didn't have his court vision that Rondo does and his memory his memory is insane and like Carlisle the way Carlisle adjusted in the last game was they weren't calling out plays they were trying to switch it up that way but it doesn't appear to have worked any because Rondo's still doing his thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the questions I had was about the recent play of Tim Hardaway. Uh, you, you look at the numbers from the other night, four points, one of eight, 25 minutes. But in games one and two, he was fantastic. He goes for 21 and 28. What is that? Just north of combined 50 points for the two games together. What, what's been the biggest change for Hardaway Jr. these last two games? The, I want to say it's... Um, because he was involved in uh, what they call, what they referred to as the Mavericks death lineup, you know, in the regular season, it was with him, uh, Luca Richardson, uh, Finney Smith and uh, KP. Um, so with them getting all like before the season, they were the, or before the postseason, they were the Mavs by best players and getting them all on the floor together is really significant at the same time and Carlisle like he needs to in the regular season they weren't as good because then it was mainly due to like Richardson season but putting them on I think that putting them on the floor like coming up would be especially with him way more significant and will help against the small ball lineup but Carlisle's been utilizing him he utilized him especially well in one and two. Um, but instead, when the uh, Clippers changed their, when they moved to small ball, it kind of became an issue with Carlisle, you know, keeping everything big. And opposed to, he needs to move it back to small, incorporate them, and go from there. But he utilized him 
very well in the first two games. So like we were saying earlier, you know, they're going to need to get much more out of Porzingis. Um, I'm not exactly sure what, you know, what, what, his, what his issue has been, because this is not, you know, this is not a new thing, whether it's just the, the general inconsistency in terms of uh, aggressive play. And, and, you know, obviously the guys has dealt with injuries, but, you know, do you get the sense that, um, that there's a souring going on there that, that, you know, that this is kind of, he's kind of on trial for, for, from, a, from a certain perspective? Like, you know, do you get the sense that they may try to, if things don't go well his next couple of games, that they may try to move on from him? Or how do you see that come down? Uh, well, I know that considering his, like, performance lately, if they if they decide to move on from him, from him what are they going to get? I mean, they're, well, <laughs> you have to think realistically about that. Um, if it is, say, like a a Schrodinger thing where he knows if you open up the box, the cat's dead. Um, so his performance, if that may be the case, knowing that, you know, if the Mavs open the box with him and the observer's paradox thing comes into play, he may be performing badly because of that, because he knows, because he's listening and reading everything about him. But like, and I'm not sure what it is that's going to change that because he was, there was a difference in this last game. Um, I mean, he made the first two, I believe the first two baskets, he like came out straight out of the gate, um, picking up for Luca, who he knows is injured, that it could be because he's picking up, like the momentum changed because his teammates need him. But his teammates have needed him this entire series and he has yet to step up. It could be a mental thing. Like it, it, everyone's gotten in his head. Look, I, I like I, I get all the credit in the world for you know trying to trying to trying to make something out of out of it because like if if Luca is not right and by right I mean like you know upwards of 95 percent, they are not gonna win the series. I mean, flat mm -hmm. out. And and look, I mean also they had I mean, if, if you told me, you told me and Aaron that, hey, the uh, map's going to be up 2-0, heading back to, back to Dallas, you're like, okay, what are you having? What are you smoking? And like, but I, I you know, I, I love the fact that he, you know, he, that, that dive for the ball, uh, you know, try, try to make, make that save. I forget when exactly it occurred, but like, dude's trying. So I'll, I'll, give, I'll give him that. I mean, he definitely looks, looks different, but I just feel like, I don't know, I, you just wonder where, I'm kind of thinking more big picture now, you know, where, what, what does he, if the Dallas Mavericks ever win a title, okay, Luca's at the focal point, who else is around him? And it's like, I, I, you know, I'm starting to feel like, I don't know if KP is in that picture. You know? Yeah, that's what a lot of like Mavs Twitter has been going off about. There was even one joke saying that, you know, I'd like to see more stars around Luca, a better supporting cast. And that was supposed to be when they got KP, that was supposed to be his role. Him and Luca were supposed to be the superstar team or the superstar pairing. And now, you know, on the big stage in the spotlight, it's just, it's not happening the way everyone thought it would. Yeah. What, what would the Mavs do over the course of the summer if they wanted to improve this roster? Has there been talk about players they might target or, or who they might go after? 
I, there, there have been, but I try not to pay attention until more so once the season is done, because we've got to look, it's day by day at this point, you have to look to get out of this series before we even like start looking into the off season moves that they're going to make. Right now, they just need to stay alive and like Luca not kill Luca and like do something that's going to end up damaging his career in the long run. So games uh, uh, five back in LA, uh, Wednesday, game six back in Dallas on Friday. So it's shorter rest, more, you know, fly in between. Uh, the stakes are higher, the pressure's higher. Obviously, like I said before, the home team is yet to win a game. I mean, do you, do you think that this gets back to LA for game seven at all? I'm hoping if they, they, again, that all depends on Luca and his availability and it, 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 everything is riding on basically his neck right now. I mean, do you see them going anywhere if Luca continue, can continues to play like he did last night where he was, he was in pain. I, I would say no. And I would say, and so here's a question like for both, for both of you, do you just say to Luca, uh, not saying don't, don't take the trip, but, but you're not playing game five and we'll, we'll roll the dice with hopefully come back game six, be healthy enough. And then we'll take our chances with the healthy Luca healthy, you know, in game seven, like does, cause I don't feel like just, you know, whatever they're going to do in the next 48 hours is going to make a difference. So, I mean, it's a crazy bet, but I, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, the kid can't look left. That's bad. Yeah. That, that, I don't like, I, in the long run, that would be the ideal situation, him not traveling with the team. Um, but you know that you're just initially throwing away that game. It's done. Like, uh, no one, none of the other playmakers have been stepping up. Um, and I know, and, that is such a difficult question because <laughs> it's it's that's their star player they really they wouldn't be where they are right now without him and well, they, they wouldn't be where they are without the guy who was able to look left yes so so i do what i'm saying is like if you if you roll him out and he's you know i don't know what percentage he would say he was out he said he played terrible i get that yeah sure and uh i, I you know anybody would play terrible if they couldn't you know turn their head but um so I'm thinking, like, if he plays the way he did, they're going to lose anyway. So just like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying not to, you know, just, just, just rest him and then just, hey, we're going to, we're going to go for it. We're going to go for it all. Game six, seven, see what happens. So I, I would agree. I would say do that. But here's the, the big thing. Luca won't go for that. Remember, I sent you a message. Remember when uh, Waj, yeah. you know, said that he was available that night. Luca will go in there. He could have a gunshot wound to the neck, and he would ask Carlisle to play him. Well, that's that's why you that's why you tell him the plane is leaving at three, but the plane's really leaving at two. So this way you avoid all that stuff. Put like guards on him, like they did in Game of Thrones or something. Yes. <laughs> in a room. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd find a way to get out, but it would be ideal, especially for his health. You don't want to risk it. You don't want to risk more serious damage to him. And, you know, I mean, if that was the case and he didn't travel with the team and they, you know, came back for game six, 
and they want it here, it would be, it would be freaking insane. And it'll be not a Cinderella story, but it would be big. I, so I would say at, at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is to have Luca available for a playoff series down the road, right? Like game five is what it is. It's, it's a turning point in the series. It's not a make or break game. It's not an elimination game. So if you're the Mavs, and regardless of what the player says and regardless of what the player thinks, your goal is to keep your player healthy and available down the road. Because Otto and I talk about this all the time. A player's biggest asset is their availability. If they're not available to play in a game, then they're worthless to you, as bad as that is to say. Uh, and so for the Mavs and Carlisle, I think this is a situation where Otto is right. Like if he plays the way that he did in game four and game five, you're not going to win anyway. So, so what is the benefit of playing him in game five on an injured neck where he can't put his head on a swivel. So, I mean, just to answer your question, Otto, yeah. I mean, the absolute biggest thing that they need to do in that situation is rest him because it's not beneficial to the team moving forward. But, I mean, the question is, can the Mavs win this series at all or get it to a game seven if Luka doesn't play? You know, I, I mean, that, that's the ultimate tipping point, right? Like if he doesn't play, they probably have no chance of winning this series unless players like Tim Hardaway Jr. and um, Chris Tapsprisingas step up in some way. And we haven't seen that. No. And I mean, Luca, like I think it was his lowest, lowest scoring uh, game yesterday with him what it was and because everything he's been hitting. Yeah. 19 points. Which is insane for him. That's just low. The whole the whole series, he's been carrying the entire team on his back, which explains his fucking neck. Um, just I, if they do, if Carlisle does decide to hold him out and rest him, I have a feeling it'd be a slaughter fest. And if not, like what the hell there? That now there's a story for you, but I don't see that happening. I don't see the impossible happening and the team winning game five, if that was the case. So here's one, one thing that we haven't discussed, and this is a kind of a byproduct of, of the, the Luca effect on the Mavs, forget on, on any other team. I, um, to me, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, and it seems like every time they're, they're coming up with the ball, there's a there's a deference to wait until Luca is set or arrives or can touch the ball. Greater than it seems like with any of the star of any other team, like the Lakers, if they get if they get something rolling and LeBron is in the backcourt, oh well, like we're 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 moving, we're rolling. But it just seems like, and I'm not saying like I, the last thing I want to do is come off like we're blaming Luca or anything like that. But it just feels like. Feels like that 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 high school game where 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 the where the really good kid is is, is kind of coming up and everybody else is waiting around except these the guys who are waiting around are bona fide NBA talents. A number of them would be you know top top guys on on teams you know without Lucas. So it feel, just feels like maybe crazy thought maybe if like he wasn't in the lineup for a game. It's just like hey, how would we how would we do this? Who would step up? And I, I mean, the, I don't know. It's just it's just something that that is both. I guess you want your star to touch the ball and be involved, be involved in every play, but it's also manic at the same point. Yeah, that's that's like if they are doing that, because yeah, you you see it. It's Carlisle making them do it, not making them do it, but you know, being the chess master behind those, like putting everything on Luca and you know, 
having them maybe pale in comparison. I'm not sure, but it it is it's it's worrisome. And if like he is, if that is the case, and Carlisle is you know utilizing them or utilizing him that way, like a high school game, uh, they're fucked. Sorry, you have to censor a lot of this when it comes to me. <laughs> no, I, I, I think we're good. And I think, I think that's probably a perfect way to end this thing because I, I, can't, I can't think of what else we, 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 could, we could add here. They, they definitely are in a spot. I'll put it that way. So uh, TJ Macias, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be talking probably very, very soon and looking forward to a game pod. Thank you so much for having me, guys. That was dope. <laughs> Special thanks to TJ Macias for joining us. Otto, I, I have to ask you, do you have to censor her write-ups or is is her or are her write-ups appropriate? Her, her write-ups are appropriate. <laughs> her write-ups are appropriate, but I do think it's hilarious that she used more foul words than Luca hit foul shots in the <laughs> in the last game. You know, I mean, you know, Luca was over five from the line in game four, and TJ, I think, was like. She was five for five. Yeah, she was five for five on her F on her F bombs. Dropping bombs. (laughs) But (laughs) do you, TJ? Be you. Hey, there's not enough writers that have uh, like the courage in their own voice to speak like that on a medium. So we love it, man. Like, like that's the second time she she's been on this show. She's been just as vocal each time, and it makes it it makes for great content for us, and it gives us something to look forward to when this show drops every time. Real quick, as we finish this up on the Mavs, do you think the Mavs can still win the series? I think the Mavs can win the series. I think that, uh, you know, like it, it's going to take a very special set of circumstances. I, I, I mean, I know this is crazy, but I do think that a, a compromised Luka, and we don't know what that's going to look like um, in a couple of days, but a compromised Luka is, is no Luka at all. So I, I, would, I would, you know, have him fly out there, but don't play him. And, and basically it also serves as a wake up call to the rest of the team. Like, Hey guys, you got to get your ass together. And then, you know, if they, if they find that mojo and they win great, if not, they could say, well, you know, well, Luca wasn't playing. And now we have the kind of the psychological advantage. We're going back home game six. Not, not, not that they've played well at home. Um, but cause they, they, they are a team that throughout the season has, has performed better on the road this season, last season, why that is, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I, I do think they can, but um, I would love to see if they, you know, made some bold, took some bold steps and not just throw a, a 60% Luka out there and just, you know, kind of hope that the ball goes in. Like that, I, I think that would be very disappointing and, and potentially long-term, you know, lethal if he were to, say, get hurt and have an injury that needed surgery. And, I mean, you know, who knows what, what they're going to find when they actually get in there. So. Yeah, and, and you, you know, we touched on this a little bit in the interview with TJ, but I, I don't think we went – maybe elaborated on it as much as we necessarily wanted to, but just, you know, the, the mental thought of playing without him and them finding some kind of offensive rhythm for some of their supporting cast, like Chris Stapps or Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. Was great in the first mm-hmm. two games, but he's been quiet in the last two. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you sit Luca yeah. down and all of a sudden those guys become more of a focal point of that offense, maybe they catch lightning in a bottle, right? Like maybe they find some of their rhythm and maybe they um, get some of their swagger back. And then say you still lose game five, but those guys were productive in that game. 
maybe you find something in game six with those with those three, right? Like, and then it's not all just I, on I like Luka. It. Yeah. So, bam, we just like solved it. the Mavs' like problems. Coach, 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 coach Bruin, I love it. Hey, hey, that's 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 <laughs> what we're here to do. We're, we're, we're just here to inspire Carlisle and tell him like, hey, man, you gotta you gotta switch up your offensive sets. Like, if Rondo's out there calling out your sets figure it out. <laughs> Just call them something different. Like, yeah. who cares? Uh, anyway, all right. So we've got an entertaining Mavs series tied 2-2. We also have some entertaining fans in the stands or people who I think are just trying to get attention. And mm. I, so this, this is the problem, right? Like, we've had popcorn. We've had water bottles. We now have disgruntled uh, NBA players, which as they should be like this is a safety concern for them at this point right and like there's no game where the fans are closer to the action or more involved and closer to the play of field than there is in nba basketball right like we literally sell seats that are on the court so <laughs> anytime something like yeah. this happens yeah. it, it becomes an issue but this i think is the carryover from not necessarily having fans in the arena all year and then all of a sudden you let them back in in the most intense times, right? Playoff basketball. And so not that you have to recondition and maybe this is an out for fans, or at least I'm giving them an out here, but you're almost having to recondition them on what's appropriate during a game, right? Like so many fans wow. watch these games from their TV sets last year. Now they're in the arena and it's almost like it's being used as an excuse for poor behavior. I mean, yeah, however, it's not like this stuff never happened before. I mean, you know, yeah. there's a reason why, you know, I mean, so the incidents were, there was a you know, bottle thrown in, in Boston, there was a, a, a spitting incident in New York, there was a popcorn incident in Philadelphia, and there was there were, uh, slurs, racial and otherwise, being being thrown at, uh, at John Moran's parents in, in Utah. So those four cities are, are four locations are kind of always in that conversation when, when something goes down, it, it seems like, you know, these, I mean, great fans, great fan base, but they're also, there's always that element in, in, in those places more, more so like it, you don't really hear about that kind of thing in, in OKC so much. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. There's, well, there's I mean, that's because it's, that's because it's Midwest nice. Like Mid Midwest, Midwesterners oh, can't be mean to you. Like you, you, <laughs> right, your player right, can right. have an awful game and they'll be like, you know what, man, you're going to do better next time. Like we know yeah, you, you trust you. you. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, I guess my, my larger point is is that um, you know stuff happens, and then to kind of uh, broaden it out a little bit, you know, how many fights have we seen on planes like in the last you know couple of days? Like you know, we've, yeah. we've had flight attendants getting their teeth knocked out. We get you know people throwing a mask on the floor because they don't like. I mean, some of it is kind of like because of that, but you know, when you think back, some of this type of stuff happened before. I mean, it's just yeah. it's not like you know, people forgot what to do. And, you know, when you serve alcohol and it's, you know, yes, it's the playoffs and, and I, I'm not, I'm certainly not making excuses for fans. I think, you know, the boneheaded stuff, they need to be tossed out and not just, they don't just lose their privilege to attend because it is a privilege on the right. Yep. Um, you don't just lose your privilege to attend that game. You're out of our arenas, period. Done. You know, we yeah, don't, we don't need you. We don't. So, so, so that's what happened with the situation in, um, in Philadelphia, right? They completely banned that fan from the Wells Fargo Center. So he can't, he, one, loses his uh, his Sixers season tickets, but he also loses the right to go to any other event at the Wells Fargo Center. Like, that's, that's the only acceptable action 
for any of these things is to ban the fan from future events uh, at your team, but also ban the fan from future events of the NBA and any other events that are held in that arena. Like there's no no way around it. Like there needs to be repercussions. Like fans can't act in that way because, because here's, here's the exact opposite endpoint, right? Like when you pay money to go to a basketball game, you exp- uh, like say you spend money to go watch the Lakers and you want to go see LeBron, right? Like if LeBron doesn't play as a fan, you feel like your money was stolen from you. So you're angry about that. And you feel like that player didn't act in a professional manner as a ticket purchaser, you owe that same right to the player that you're paying to see. Like mm-hmm. you, you deserve and you need to act in a professional manner when it comes to that player as well. Like just right. cause you hold a ticket and you spent money to go to that game doesn't mean that like you have no liability for anything that happens during that game. It's yeah, two way street. Yeah. Like you, you want to throw stuff. I have a seat for you. It's, it's in, and it's in your living room. You can throw as much crap as you want in your living room because you're one of 17,000 people. You got, you know, you got families, you got older people. I don't think that the, you know, it, it wasn't, I know with the, the incident was in Boston. So like, it wasn't like, you know, I'm dating myself, I know, but it wasn't like Roger Clemens or, or Pedro Martinez throwing like the, the guy could have hit anybody with, with yeah. that thing. Um, you know, and then spitting on somebody in a time of COVID. I mean, like, like spitting on someone's gross, but like during COVID? So like really? So, also, like who spits on someone anymore? Well, like, then, like, yeah. like like unless you're a baseball player and you like have some dip in your mouth and you're trying to spit <laughs> on the dirt, right? Like who actually spits in like anyone's line of view anymore? Well, I guess it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's you know, New York. You know, <laughs> I just like, yeah, you know, it's like, like if you ask anybody else, it's like, where it happened in New York? Uh, yeah, I guess I kind of, I kind of understand that. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, it, 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 like, it, doesn't, it doesn't have a place, um, just your period, full stop. You know, just 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 gotta stop. You can't control yourself. Stay home. You know, the league will the league. I think the league should give you your money back for for the, for the future games that you will not be attending if you if you pay for them. But it's like we, we don't need you that bad. We've got. Yeah. I mean, the, as we've seen, the, the the health of the game is is really really strong across the country, and we don't need you know boneheaded fans. The isolated the isolated is that maybe you still don't need. Them. Amen, my man. Can't say it better myself. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. All right, it's time to wrap things up for this week. First off, thanks to TJ Macias of the Fort Worth Star Telegram for coming on and discussing all things Dallas Mavericks with us. Also, a big shout out to our producer, Daniel Kramer, and to our editor. Her name is Kristen Woolley. Also, big ups to the one and only. He is the king of content and our chief content officer. He is the one and only Bruce Bernstein. As for the rest of the Pure Hoops Media has to offer, the Mike Weiss Show drops each week, and they bring you entertaining takes, incredible stories, and high-level guests. Full Court with Fisher and Kay has plenty of great college hoops talk. Monica McNutt and King McClure also come your way with buckets, boards, and blocks every Thursday. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday. And as always, you know, Otto and I are back next Tuesday with Catch and Shoot 2.0. And we're getting closer to uh, our big hope for this year, and that is that every person on the planet gets the COVID vaccine so we could finally put this pandemic to an end. But we are not there yet. So protect yourself and others by wearing a mask, washing your hands and keeping your distance, social distance that is, of course. And don't forget the medical professionals and other frontline workers who are doing their part to keep us safe. So for my partner, Aaron Berlin, I'm Otto Strong. See you next week. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.